This episode of Sharing Life Lessons is sponsored by Unidragon. Are you looking for an amazing present for your family, your friends, your relatives, or your coworkers? Well, look no further. Unidragon wooden puzzles make presents with a wow factor. Unidragon is the biggest producer and seller of wooden puzzles in the world today. The colorful animal puzzle designs are of the highest laser cut quality. Every puzzle piece has a unique shape that fits perfectly into each other. Unidragon's customers buy their puzzles again and again. To get a special 10% discount, go to www.unidragon.com and use coupon code DRAGONB2. Welcome to episode 54 of Sharing Life Lessons. This is season 6. We are one spirit, one soul, and together we are creating a library of stories and life lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories because stories inspire, stories teach, and stories heal. Listeners, how many of you saw the Oscar Awards last Sunday? I did. And today, I want to begin this episode with Tyler Perry's speech, which he gave during the Oscar Awards when he was accepting the humanitarian award given to him. It was a powerful speech, and I urge you to listen to all of it. Towards the end of it, he said, It's my hope that we teach our kids to refuse hate. Don't hate anybody. I refuse to hate someone because they are Mexican or because they are black or white or LGBTQ. I refuse to hate someone because they are a police officer or because they are Asian. And I want to take this humanitarian award and dedicate it to anyone who wants to stand in the middle. Because that's where healing, where conversation, where change happens. It happens in the middle. Anyone who wants to meet me in the middle to refuse hate and blanket judgment, this one is for you too. What I would like to add to this very powerful speech is, let's refuse hate to hate anyone with a physical disability or a mental disorder as well. I have already published two previous episodes on mental illness and in it we expressed a desire to destigmatize mental illness in our society. If that is what we are striving for, then first we need to learn about these disorders. Who better to learn it from than someone who was diagnosed with it and continues to live with it every day of her life? Before we start the interview, I want to let the listeners know that Colleen has a slight speech impediment and so you may need to either listen closely or increase the volume. Colleen explains her speech impediment to us towards the end of the interview. I thank her immensely for bravely coming forward to talk to us. Everyone, please welcome Colleen Moore. Hello, Colleen. Welcome to Sharing Life Lessons. It is so good to have you on the show. Ours was a chance meeting. You and I were in this one meeting together one evening, and you started talking about your schizophrenic tendencies, and you said some things that really told me how little all of us know about this mental illness. And so... I offered for you to come to the show and be a guest and you kindly accepted. So thank you for that. It's a pleasure to be here. 
Colleen, can you start us off by telling us something about yourself, please? Yes, my name is Colleen Moore. And at the age of 16, after many years of no answers about my mental health, I got diagnosed with a type of schizophrenia known as schizoaffective disorder, along with some other mental illnesses. Despite this, and with a lot of help from friends and family, I graduated college with an associate's degree in digital media focused on animation. I currently freelance working in digital media. I went through many hardships to get where I am and was told in high school by a professional that I would never amount to anything. I'm here to share my story and my lesson of don't let anyone else write your story. That is such a good lesson to start us off with, Colleen. But now can you tell us all about how you found out you had this schizophrenic tendencies? And I know that dates back when you were 16. Yes, actually, I found out because my mom sent us to a family therapist. And I remember going in there and I just laid it all on the table for I was like, I have these hallucinations and I see things and I hear voices that aren't there. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but, and I remember I took AP psychology, which is a college level course they give you in high school. And I remember reading about schizophrenia and being like, yeah, that sounds kind of like me. And to be diagnosed with it was a relief. And I remember just a couple months after that, in my AP psychology class, they had somebody come in that was an expert on mental illnesses. And I remember asking, well, what is the outcome of a schizophrenic person having a successful life? And they told me they were like, yeah, schizophrenics don't have successful lives. I didn't want to just be another statistic. And I had it in my head that I was going to try and have as normal, I guess you could say, as a life as I could, even though I had this mental illness, I wanted to be better than just another person they just throw to the side. And there was a lot of things that contributed to wanting to prove a lot of people wrong that contributed to where I am today. Okay, so for many of us who really have only heard about this mental illness, but don't know much more about it, can you tell us exactly what this mental illness is and what the symptoms are? And you as a person who is going through this, what really happens when you say, I hear voices? Well, like for me, it's very weird because I'll be somewhere all by myself and I can still hear a thousand people like I'm in a crowded room. I have a lot of voices in my head at any given time. And people are like, oh yeah, I have voices too. They talk to me. They, it's, it, it's your conscience. It's, no, it's not the same it's very much you can tell that the voices is not yours when it's not thoughts that you would want to think. Okay, like, so what are they telling you? Tell us a few things that these voices are telling you. Like, they'll tell me that it doesn't matter, nothing I do is good enough. Like, they're very mean and they just beat you down. Mm-hmm. 
it's hard because it's hard to explain to people who don't have it because it's hard to imagine. It's like somebody else is invading your brain. Are these males? Are these females? How does this go? That varies by case, to be honest with you. For me, I have both boys and girls. Like, I have a boy and girl constantly that argue in my head. All they do is bickle back and forth and fight. Is it the same boy and girl? Yes, it's the same ones every single time. That's what kind of helps is you start to recognize the voices. Like, oh, I've heard you before. Like, I'm used to you by now. But the seeing things is a whole different ball game. The seeing things can get kind of scary. And it's weird because I can tell you everything. I can tell you in detail everything I can see, but you can't see it at all. And it's so real to me. But to normal people, it's just like, why are you freaking out? There's nothing there. Because a lot of times when I hallucinate, I hallucinate things coming out of the darkness and trying to get me, like monsters or people that, in my past, that I feel like they'll come after me, stuff like that. It's just constant being afraid of certain situations because you feel like you're going to see something there and you don't want to see that. So when I was little, I used to be afraid of the dark too. And when I used to be afraid of the dark, my, my dad helped me out. We had this home. It had five rooms in it. And my dad would shut out all of the lights in the house. He would be on the other side of the house and the kitchen was on the extreme side of the house. And he would sit at the other extreme side of the kitchen and say, Okay, Hamida, I'd really like to have an apple. Can you please go get an apple for me from the refrigerator? And being that he's my dad and I loved him so much, I would never, never not want to give him what he wants. And so I would dart in the dark all the way into the kitchen and quickly open up the refrigerator because then that gave some light, right? The refrigerator yeah. has light. And I grabbed an apple from it and then I would say, all right, one, two, three, close the door and dart back. And I think that exercise really, really helped me to not be afraid of the dark. So why I'm telling you this story is because I used to be afraid of the dark as well. Why is yours different? It's because for me, it's not the dark that I fear. I've gotten used to being in the dark, even though I've developed coping. It's the things that I see and the fact that if left with nothing but darkness, I will start feeling things. Like I've felt bugs crawling under my skin and I've felt like things touching me and there'll be nothing there. I'll feel something yank at me and there'll be nothing there. I'll get like sleep paralysis because I've had episodes of sleep paralysis before where I wake up from a nightmare and I'm still in it. If I'm in the darkness, it makes it that much harder to deal with it because I see things out of the dark too like I'll be walking and I'll think I'll see something but I have to keep going because I can't freak out over every little thing you see and it makes you mistrust yourself mm. do you see anything happy or do you hear anything happy or is it always not happy stuff uh most of the time it's not happy stuff I've had voices come and go because with schizoaffective disorder, you have episodes of mania. 
when you're just very happy, very upbeat, very, you don't sleep, you're full of energy all the time, you feel like your life is going 100% great. But the problem with that is the mania ends and you crash so hard and everything hits you at one time. And it's a lot. The last time I had a really bad mania episode, I ended up in the mental hospital for a week because when I crashed, I crashed so hard that I literally told my doctor, I was like, you need to either put me in the mental hospital or I think something bad's going to happen. Because I was just so down after because I was seeing things all the time. I was hearing voices all the time. And sometimes it's voices that you recognize too. Like I used to, when I was younger, I used to run into the living room all the way from the other side of the house. My mom would be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, you called me. And she's like, no, I didn't. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when you say put me in the mental hospital or something really bad's going to happen, are you saying you would harm yourself? Yeah, it's usually always harming myself. I'm not a danger to anybody else. I've never thought about harming anybody else. Because I have depression on top of the schizoaffective, I do get bouts while I'm suicidal. And I felt for my safety and just for the good of it, I was safer there than I was out. Sure. All right. I want to take you back to when you were 16. Tell us, did I hear you say you felt relieved when you were diagnosed with this? Yes. I felt relieved because I finally had a name that I could actually research on my own. I finally had an answer to why I see things, why I hear things, why I think that there's monsters when nobody's there. Like I had all these answers to all these questions that I've had since childhood that when spoken about with other people, they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't understand. Cause even my mom didn't understand for a long time. And my doctor had to sit down and explain to her, like, this is what's going on. Your child has this, this is what happens. And it took some time of me talking to her and the doctor talking to her and she was like yeah she finally now understands and she understands as much as someone who doesn't have it can if that makes any sense it does actually because like you said for people who don't have it for you it's very hard to explain and on the other side it's very hard for them to understand including me but that is why we were having this conversation because we can't just stop at it's difficult for you to explain and difficult for us to understand because it is so prevalent in our world and in our communities that it's best for us to try as hard as we can to understand it. Yeah, and that was the thing I ran into a lot was people not understanding because I remember in high school I did an internship at the daycare because I, I absolutely love kids. I remember the school found out and had to report it to the daycare. And then the daycare, I remember them pulling me into a room and being like, are you going to hurt the kids? And I was like, no. They're like, well, we heard this. Okay, yes, that's true, but I'm not a danger to anyone. I never, I never would have taken the job if it meant that I was possibly going to hurt someone. 
So help us try and understand that because if you're telling us you hear voices in your head and they're not happy voices and sometimes you can harm yourself, tell us why those voices would not tell you to harm anybody else. Honestly, my voices seem to be focused more on self-hate, but I think that's more of a self-confidence issue. But not every schizophrenic is going to be okay being in normal society. It's just not, it's like with any disease. There's some people that just can't function under it. I have enough grounding in reality and enough of a moral compass and enough sense and stuff like that to realize that I'm never gonna I'm I'm literally the type of person when I see a fly I'm just like go fly out the window I don't want to kill you <laughs> like I'm a very gentle person mm-hmm. and I think it just depends on a case-by-case basis and I think it's for the professionals to say but I've had instances where I remember I came into my doctor's office and I was like I want to give blood I need a note saying that I can get blood because of the medications that I'm on. And he was like, here you go. And he's like, why do you need a note from me though? And I was like, because they said if I lose something the medication, they think I can go and hurt someone. And he's like, yeah, you're, you're not a danger. You're not. Got it. Got it. So tell us about your friends in high school. Did they know about this? And if they did, how were they with you? Were, were you ever bullied for it? I was bullied, but not for the mental illness. I kind of kept that to myself. My friend, well, the only friend I, well, I have two friends from high school that I still talk to, but both of them were very understanding. I meet either two kind of people usually when it comes to my mental illness. I have the people that want to know more and then the people that are afraid of me. So my two friends from high school, they're very much, they understand I'm not a danger. They know me and they trust me. They're all curious. Like I inspired my best friend from high school. She now wants to be a therapist because of having me in her life. And I have another friend who it's always, every time he talks to me, he's like, how are you doing? I'm checking in. How's the mental health? Because he just, he genuinely cares. He wants to know how I'm genuinely doing. And that having a support group like that is great. Colleen, I am asking you this because I feel like I know what the answer is, but I want the listeners to hear it from you. How important is it for you to have people around you who understand you and support you? It was so nice because the week I was in the mental hospital, I had so many people that wanted to come see me, but it was when COVID had just started, so they shut down all the visitation. I would call people every day because they let you have a phone call. I would call people and I'd be like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing okay. I'll be out this day. Blah, blah, blah. And I would have them, t- oh, I want to come visit you. If you stay in there longer, I'm going to come visit you. Let me know if I need to bring you anything. And having that kind of support group was really nice. Okay. Tell us about your family. What kind of support did they provide to you from as early as when you were 16 years old that helped you? My mom definitely provided a lot when I was 16. I remember the day I came home crying because I was told I would not amount to anything. She was like, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know your life. And it was the first time I really felt that my mom was on my side no matter what. 
when I told her, I was like, I think I need to go to the mental hospital. She's like, I'll take you. She helps me stay on my meds. She, I owe my mom a lot. She is absolutely amazing when it comes to this stuff. You are so blessed. I'm very blessed in the way that it all set up for me. I could have been way worse off when it came to that. Colleen, thank you for sharing with us all of this because I don't think it's easy to share these things, but I I know you want to share. Can you tell us why you want to share all of these personal things that you're telling us? Because I think it's important to get the conversation about mental health started. In some ways we have when it comes to depression and anxiety. I've never seen more acceptance of those diseases, but there's so much more that goes unspoken. There's so much more of a struggle. Because I know you've had guests on before talk about mental illness, and there's just there's so much more of a struggle that people need to know about. And honestly, part of me is also because I don't want future generations to be discriminated against. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when I was young and telling people, even now, I just get it out of the way. I'm like, hey, I have mental illnesses. Is that going to be a problem? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's just easier than it coming up later and losing people. And like I said, I get one or two reactions. Oh, that's cool. Let me know more. All I get, I'm scared of you. And I... There's nothing to be scared of. Tell us what life lessons you've learned along the way that you can share with the listeners. I've learned not to let, like I said, don't let anybody write your story. I've learned that you can make your life whatever you want it to be if you have the right support and you do the things you need to do to get better. It's still an ongoing battle for me. I have to keep on top of my medicine. I do meditations daily. I have to do the stuff that I have to do to keep my mind right. So that way I can continue living my best life. I could have very well just laid down when that person in high school said, you're never going to amount to anything. I could have just been like, okay, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm going to go ahead and give up. But I don't want anybody to write the story that is my life. I love that. I love that. What I also want you to tell the listeners is if they come across someone in their lives, it could be family members, it could be friends, it could be co-workers who are going through what you are going through. Tell us how we can help them or support them. It's very much of just be there for them and listen to them. Just be there for them and listen to them. But if you truly believe that somebody's going to be a danger, I believe you should reach out to a professional for it. But first, just listen to them and hear what they're trying to tell you. Because I know it took a long time for me to find friends that I can literally just be like, hey, can we talk? And they're like, yeah, what do you need? It takes a while to find the right ones. but. Really, uh, the best advice I can give is just be there for them. Colleen, one other thing I want to ask you is that I know there is a speech impediment that you're experiencing. Does that have anything to do with the mental illness or it's two separate things? 
it seems to be two separate things. We've never quite gotten a diagnosis on that. When I was younger, I would talk really, really fast to the point I basically had my own language. And my best friend was my translator. So I was in speech therapy for a long time. So this is just how it turned out. Okay, okay. It is so precious that your friend was your translator. It feels good to hear that you're surrounded by so many good friends, family members like your mom. I'm sure that has made your life so much easier. Yes, it definitely has. My friend and my mom were a big part of my life. I wouldn't be here without them. I bet. You know, I am so indebted to those who are coming out in my show and talking about mental illness, because like you said, we all need to at least start the conversation. We have a long way to go to do much more than that. But at least if we all start talking about it and it is not a stigmatized conversation in society, then we've all played a part. Colleen, thank you so much for being on Sharing Life Lessons. It was great to have you. Thank you so much. Listeners, as you could tell, whatever Colleen told us came straight from her heart. When I asked Colleen why she wants to talk about such a personal matter, she said, and I paraphrase, because I think it's important to get the conversation about mental health started. And some ways we have, but there is so much more that goes unspoken. There's so much more of a struggle that people need to know about. Part of me is also because I don't want future generations to be discriminated against. Now, this is something I have heard from all my guests who have come out and openly talked about their mental illnesses. Nikki of Chinese descent, a 25-year-old, spoke about her depression and suicidal tendencies in episode number six in March of 2020. She not only was candid, but was very well-spoken. Next was Nisan, a 22-year-old from Turkey, in episode number 49, who boldly spoke about her struggles with mental illness and bipolar disorder. And now, in episode number 54, we have Colleen, who bravely talked about her schizophrenic tendencies. Each of them are young, and the younger generation wants us to not only start talking about mental illnesses, but also get knowledgeable enough about them so we can start accepting those who suffer from them into the main fold of society. Also, understanding the illnesses will help us move away from myths, such as, all schizophrenics are a danger to society, or mental illness is strictly genetic, etc., etc. If we accept them for who they are, then with our support, they will be able to manage their disorders better. This way, they won't have to deal with the fear of being bullied in school or being perceived as inferior at work or looked upon as a danger to society. So I call upon each one of us to do our part in this matter. In the end, as always, here are my key takeaways from Colleen's message to us. One. Let's start openly talking about mental illnesses like we are doing today, so that the future generation are not discriminated against. Two, if you know someone who is suffering from mental disorder, then listen to them. Hear what they're trying to tell you and be there for them. If you think they are going to harm themselves or others, then get professional help. 
And lastly, don't let anybody write your story. You can make your life whatever you want it to be. This brings us to the end of this episode. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Until then, be happy, be safe, and be well. 